Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Nicholas from 613 Lift Limited in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Excited to have you here and to talk about what you do over there at your fitness facility. But really, before we dive in too deep, what was it that made you decide to open up this gym? Well, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question, but I've always found myself quite passionate about fitness, um, most more specifically powerlifting. Um, I always found myself to be a little bit more driven too, and more of an entrepreneur type, like self-employed type person. Um, so I did start in the commercial industry where I worked for Good Life Fitness in Canada, and I also worked for Greco. Um, and I also kind of bounced around a lot of the commercial gyms in the city of Ottawa. So I kind of picked apart the things I liked and didn't like from all of those gyms. And when I was actually working at Good Life, I was a member of another gym in Ottawa called the YMCA. The YMCA was more of a gym that catered to the powerlifting community, one of the communities I was a part of. And unfortunately, um, maybe about 10, 12 years ago now, uh, the mall was actually undergoing renovations and the gym was upstairs. And the mall didn't renew the lease for the gym because of noise complaints and stuff like that. So um, that gym unfortunately closed. And simultaneously, there was another spot not too far down the road um, that was opening up. And I kind of took it upon myself to cater to this community that was now in need and opening another powerlifting gym, um, kind of of the same nature and uh, taking it upon myself now to, to lead this community, hopefully, and not having to go from an awesome YMCA gym to another commercial gym that didn't really suit their needs. Well, dang. I mean, like you were part of this community as well. So like you needed a place to work out, but yeah, also exactly. motivated by the idea of like giving the community a place that they can work out that mm-hmm. it has longevity, right? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of gyms like open and close, but you want to be a place that's like always there for the community to really grow um, mm-hmm. with. So props to you for doing this um, for the community. Uh, give us kind of your elevator pitch of 613 Lift Limited. Tell us, you know, who you are, what services you have to provide, and just kind of paint that picture for our listener here. Okay, sure. Um, 613 Lift is a 24-7 facility. We cater to powerlifters, bodybuilders, and gen pop um, fitness individuals. We did start as just a powerlifting facility. But like I mentioned before, um, halfway through the pandemic or so, we did expand the facility and offer more bodybuilding style equipment. Um, It's a little bit of a niche facility. So a lot of things that differentiate itself from um, like commercial uh, gyms would be that we allow heavier dumbbells, loud music, chalk. There's more bodybuilders that do their posing routines and powerlifters that do their competition style lifts. So we offer comp plates and kilos, pounds, steel plates, plate loaded machines, um, so I really wanted to offer something that was different from what my town tends to really offer, which is just commercial style gyms, which kind of like almost shun upon all of the things that we do. Um, so it gives the community that I'm from a place to go to to practice what they desire and hopefully excel to their, their greatest capabilities in, in, in their sports. 
Absolutely. So really like this started off for you as kind of the idea of, hey, we're going to open up this powerlifting gym. But then you realize like, hey, our community needs a little bit more than that. And so you were able to expand upon that. Mm -hmm. Um, Being that you are 24-7, people are coming in kind of doing their own thing. Do you guys offer personal training, group training, anything additional on top of that kind of open membership? Right. So there is personal trainers that work out of the facility. Um, there's partner training as well, but there is no group training per se. I wanted to stay away from that. I was, like I mentioned, I was uh, involved in more of a, in a group training commercial style gym before. And I felt like the one-on-one or the two-on-one attention wasn't quite uh, enough. And um, you weren't really able to help the individual with their needs and, and specify things to their capabilities and their, and their fitness levels as much as possible. Um, so one-on-one stuff is is done in the gym. Uh, like I said, there is no group training, but it's more like the majority of the gym is just open gym training and uh, and yeah, just open memberships. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of open membership because I think for like a big percentage of the population, they like to come in and they like to kind of come in whenever they want, do what they want, when they want, how they want, and they don't have any need any guidance. But there is kind of a population of people out there that do need that guidance maybe they have a specific goal they want to get ready for a show or Mm -hmm. maybe they just want to lose 10 pounds so that they look better at the beach on their trip to the ocean whatever it is Mm -hmm. um personal training is a good for the client and it's also good for the business because you can make a little bit of money from that so you said you have some personal trainers slash partner trainers how does that work are they paying rent from you are you employing them so all of the all of the trainers uh, run their own business. They work individually out of the gym, so they do pay a set rent for uh, their clients. Um, I offer personal training for more like strength powerlifting athletes. I do have an IFBB pro named Sam Dixon who trains more bodybuilding clients. I have another female trainer named Amanda Convery who trains a lot of female bikini and wellness and physique clients as well. Um, and then we have other trainers who work a little bit more t- part-time who help like general population individuals. And that was, um, wasn't something that I, I got to initially because the main focus when I first started being by myself was to just get my memberships going, right? To be able to cover my rent, make a little bit of money, pay off some loans that I had. And I was all by myself, so I couldn't really afford to, to hire anybody, even like I was doing all the cleaning, I was doing all the personal training, I was doing all the membership appointments all by myself. And that was kind of the knock of the gym when I first started in that first, you know, two, three years was that it was just a powerlifting gym, right? Only powerlifters go there. So the gen population was intimidated or they were scared. So that was another really big incentive for me to open up the bodybuilding side and offer more machines and maybe lighter dumbbells and more cables and things like that to, to say like, look, we, we offer more than just powerlifting. You don't have to be able to squat four or five, 600 pounds to come here. You can be just learning how to do bodyweight squats and still work out here, right? You can be simply starting on machine work to be coming here. Um, and then that, that attracted a lot more trainers to come work out of the gym too. So then I did get a little bit more help myself. And then as the business grew and more gen pop people came and trainers came, I was obviously able to hire more staff. So hire cleaners, hire some management people roles and stuff like that. So it all kind of worked hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, everybody starts somewhere and obviously like for most of us, when we get started in this business, we are kind of alone. Uh, (laughs) Very alone. (laughs) It has to be that way way until we kind of, get the head go get the headway going make a little bit of money and then like Mm -hmm. the idea of hiring people getting help is is much more realistic 
Um, and so I, I'm really happy to hear that like you, you know, added in the personal training element. I do think that's so important, especially like with general population, like there might be somebody who's in the general population right now who doesn't want to be, maybe they want to become a power lifter. They want to sure. become a bikini pro. And so by offering, you know, that um, personal training element, that guidance, we can help people reach their goals and make the business a little bit of money. As the business stands right now, what percentage of your revenue would you say is coming from personal training? Um, that's a good question. I would say the large majority comes from memberships. So I'd say probably like 85, 90% comes from memberships and like an extra, maybe 10 to 15, maybe as high as 20% would come from personal training. Yeah, and I'm sure that probably depends too on the time of year. There's a lot of seasonality with that part of the right. industry. Right. Um, okay, cool. So, you know, you do offer some personal training that is an element of what you do. Kind of want to take a little bit of a turn here and talk about the membership piece. So, mm -hmm. what kind of memberships do you offer? Is it just one membership everybody comes in and gets the same thing, or are there different kind of levels that you offer? Sure. That's a good question. We actually offer a variety of memberships. Uh, we have something pretty unique. We have like a three, four, and five custom membership, we, we call it. So your key fob can be programmed to work individual days of the week. So those are cheaper options. If you wanted to come to the, if you want to have access to the gym, let's say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Friday and Saturday, Sunday, you could do a three day a week membership. If you want to do a five day a week membership, any, any combination of days works. And it's all 24 um, hours of access on the days that you pick. If you want to do the full access membership, then it would seven days a week, 24 seven. Um, we also have upfront memberships, so like six months upfront or a year upfront, whether it's the, the memberships you save one month or you save two months. Um, and we do this so uh, we can increase our membership sales, obviously, and offer discounted memberships to people that may have multiple memberships. So we have a lot of students that maybe work out at their university gym or their college gym, or we have a lot of members that uh, work out at their local commercial gym, but they can only make the trip on certain days of the week, pending their work schedule or school schedule or whatever that may be. So then they can do a um, few set days of the week and they wouldn't have to pay the same price as a, a full access membership. Yeah. Okay. That's really, really unique. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because I've never yeah. heard of a 24-7 open model gym doing the, hey, you can have a membership that gives you three days per week access, or you can have a membership that allows you five days per week access. Obviously, I've heard of that in the group fitness kind of category. We used to do it at our CrossFit gym, but this is pretty unique for me uh, in the terms of the the group uh, or the 24-7 open membership, and I think it's a great idea. Um, because like you said, multiple people are having multiple kind of different memberships here. So mm -hmm. if you can get them to join you, even though they're already a member somewhere, somewhere else, perfect. Right. Um, how many members do you guys have right now? Um, the low end, like we're between like seven and 800 members. Okay. So is that a place, Nicholas, where you're feeling good, you're feeling comfortable, or are you guys looking yeah. to hit the gas, help more people? Like 800, it can get a little busy at times. If I dip below like 600, 650, I feel like I can be doing better because I have been at the point where I was at, you know, 
high 700s 800s and then you know you see that change in sales by the month or whatever and you feel like you can be doing more you almost as a business owner you're almost like never satisfied i have that personality right. type that i can always do more i can always make more i can always help more people right but at the same time i don't want to overcrowd my gym and ruin the service that i'm providing to my loyal members either so there were points in times during the pandemic where other gyms were closed and I stayed open. So I was like the only facility open in the city. So it did get a little chaotic at times. Right. But again, people were understanding because of the, the climate of the whole the whole world at the time. So they were just happy to be in there and I was happy to just have them. So obviously it was a little bit artificially inflated at that time. So it has dipped down since. But um, ultimately the membership base is still very good. I'm able to um do more personal training now because i'm not so busy just picking up after members helping members answering questions doing everything else so i can actually spend more time doing more personal training and kind of dispersing the workload a little bit better against my, my management and other trainers and stuff yeah for sure so you said that like at 800 members it starts to feel like sometimes it's a little bit crowded because mm-hmm. um, what i find sorry what i find is like at any given time, like at the busiest time in the gym, there's about 10% of my members in the gym at that time. So with my square footage, if I have 80 people in the gym, it's it's like it's about 30 to 40 on each side of the gym. And it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much full. So if I get more than that, it's too much. But then if I only have, you know, 10, 15, 20 people on each side, then it's, it, I, I can take more people, right? So it's the times of day, there's certain times of day that, obviously are, are, are less busy, like when people are at work, so 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning is certainly less busy, but then 5, 6, 7 o'clock at night, it can, it can be quite, it can be a little bit more busy, right? And then it can be a little bit yeah. too crowded or dangerous or anything. Yeah, definitely. And with this style of gym, being that you are doing powerlifting in the gym, like obviously you don't want too many people in there at once because like you said, it does get a little bit dangerous, a little bit hectic, a lot mm-hmm. of the big equipment kind of being thrown around. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how's the retention then? Like you're kind of at a place right now where it's like, hey, I can't take on too many more members as we stand right now. So talk mm-hmm. to me about the retention piece. How long, like, what would you say is the average lifetime for your members? Um, that's a tough, that's a tough question to answer because I mean, it varies per individual. And again, because of, because of where we're located in Ottawa, Ontario, um, like the pandemic and the restrictions hit quite hard and inflation is quite bad right now here. So we are having a lot of members move out of the city, whether it just be like in the country outside of the city. So maybe 20, 30, 40 minutes away, we are experiencing rather high gas prices right now. So all those members that are commuting, you know, 20, 30 kilometers to the gym, or for you guys, maybe, you know, 15, 20 miles to the gym, it may be unaffordable for them to be filling up their gas tank once a week to come to the gym, right? So they're unfortunately making decisions to train maybe closer to their backyard, not because they want to, but because they have to financially. So um, if, 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 uh, if the financial situation in, in the city does improve and like the inflation kind of dies down a little bit, fuel prices go down a little bit, everything else improves and we should retain members a little bit better. But that's pretty much been our biggest challenge has been fuel prices and has been um, people just like unable to commute to the gym really. And a lot of people lost their jobs too, whether it be for a month or for the whole year, for 
things like vaccination status or their businesses closing or whatever it may be. So a lot of challenges in this last couple of years, but we have had a, a good retention for yeah. sure overall. There's certain things that we can't control, obviously mm-hmm. gas prices, the status of the world, things like that. We can't control that at all. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if we constantly have people leaving because of these things, we also can constantly be welcoming new faces in to kind of make up for that. For sure. What do you guys actively do to find new clients? Like talk to me about kind of that, mm-hmm. that growth piece. Like where are you acquiring your clients from? Well, obviously social media is, is the best, I think. Instagram definitely targets like the younger demographic a little bit more. So I would say from like 15 to 35 or 16 to to 40, maybe Instagram does a really good job. Um, Facebook, a little bit more for the older demographic, let's say maybe from 30 to 50, a little bit more. There's a better outreach there. Um, We do some like paid advertising on social medias and, and ultimately being from like my city, Ottawa, we're just about a million people. So it's not, very big but it's also not too small so word of mouth is is ultimately the best and um like i mentioned before i did stay open um at one point in the pandemic so there was a lot of negative attention that the gym received from the media but it was like attention i couldn't even pay for like there was no price because i was on the front page of the paper and stuff like that so really again it put me on the map and a lot of people know me because of the stance i took and how i fought for what i believed was right and the fitness and the mental and physical health of the community and i put all of them before me essentially and before my business because i believed it was the right thing to do absolutely um So, you know, obviously word of mouth, it's always going to be a big part of what we, how we find people in this industry. Ultimately, our clients love us. They're going to talk about us. They're going to tell their friends and bring in their friends. Um, And that accounts for a lot of the clients in our gyms, but it's not really a way of growth that we can kind of predict. Like we can't say, hey, this month we're going to welcome in 22 new clients through word of mouth. Like we can't really predict that because we can't control the speed at which people talk about us. Right. Um, So people supplement. And it sounds like you're doing that with social media and in today's world, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So with social media, are you guys posting organically or are you doing digital advertising? Um, A little bit of both. So I did have like a, a media lady working for me before where she was doing a lot of our posting. I did have to kind of stop that for a little while because I needed to kind of fly under the radar for a little bit and like the gym was quite busy but there's typical ebbs and flows of business right so summertime typically tends to be a a slower time for gyms like the months may june july maybe august if people are traveling cottages they're spending more time and money on patios and other things and then when like leases and school and things like that pick up again in the in the fall months like september october maybe even in 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 the new year like december january resolutions and things are like that so if we do keep like we do like things definitely do slow down in the summer, but that's consistent like across the board. Um, so as long as we keep a good base and, and we keep relatively busy through those through those down months, right. then we know things are going to pick back up in the fall and the winter because where I'm from, again, 
um, in Ottawa, we do tend to have somewhat rough winters for the most part. So there's really not much else to do than go to work and go to the gym. So um, people are traveling all less, obviously not visiting their cottages as much, not going out to drink and eat on the patio because there is no patios to drink and eat at. So a lot more time and money and things like that are, are, are dedicated to, to fitness. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. So I kind of want to ask you an interesting question that I really appreciate hearing people's perspectives on this because it allows us to learn from one another. But what would you say is the biggest challenge within the business right now? Obviously, I know the past few years have been completely challenging. We can't control the climate of the world. We can't control mm. um, the economy. But like, what have some of the challenges been business-wise? So not including the pandemic and things like that? <laughs> yeah, probably not because we're all dealing with that. So I think we yeah. all have a similar story there. Um, yeah, I mean, we were under very, very different restrictions than you guys. So for, for me, the biggest challenge that I did, I know we, we said that it was not going to be about this, but I was uh, served like a court injunction. So it was similar to what... Um, I'm, I'm jarred a blank right now, but there's a gym in California and um, I think it's Bradley Martin's gym and they like shut the power off in his gym and things like that. Like they want the whole night in the city. Like I received like hundreds of visits from bylaw and, and public health and I was served a handful of summons for quote unquote breaking the law and keeping my business open. I was denied programs from the government of Ontario because of things that they deemed unnecessary, I guess, being within short arm's length to reach out my landlord and things like that. So I had to make the decision to keep my business open or essentially I would have lost my business. Um, so that was definitely the biggest challenge. Expanding my gym was also another very big challenge because it cost a lot of money and it cost a lot of time and it caused me a lot of stress. Um, but again, like I said, it brought in a lot of new faces. It helped me bring a lot of new relationships in. So in, in the long run, it, it, it will serve its purpose. And again, if I didn't capitalize at the time that I did, it may have never happened. So all in all, I am happy I did make the decision I did. Um, other than those things, um, like going up against like the corporate gyms is probably the biggest challenge because in Ottawa specifically, we have like a couple dozen what we call good life fitness is here. So they offer like corporate memberships and things like that. So it's a much more affordable price point for a lot of our members. So, and again, they, because they offer so many locations, yeah, um, yeah. it's just, it's just so much more convenient. So to, 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 to battle against the convenience of the commercial gyms would essentially be that. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge challenge too. Like for a lot of smaller gyms is like, no matter where we're at in the world right now, there's tons of these kind of global type gyms popping up. And right. so it's like, Hey, we really need to stand out amongst these gyms so that our business can survive, stay alive. Um, you also mentioned, you know, you did an expansion, obviously anytime that we expand, it's going to cost us some money. Um, and you did that because you felt like that was like what you needed to do for your business. Are you guys kind of still recovering from that financial kind of investment or like, where are you at there? Um, yeah, like I, like this, I'm, I didn't really need to recover from it because I was pretty well prepared going into it. Right. It's just, I didn't think 
I would face the challenges I did once it was completed. Because I started my expansion, um, I believe it was, if I get this right, it was November 2020. So we actually just started like the second or third lockdown here in Ottawa. So the business beside me had closed. And again, there was a ton of like construction that needed to be done in the building. So now that the building was empty, it was a perfect time for me to do so. And to be completely honest with you, I thought the pandemic was going to end at like the end of 2020. I was like, okay, the justice is over. Vaccinations are going to be rolling out in the new year. Um, all of the premiers and things like that here, so the equivalent of a governor in, in Florida, were saying like, okay, once we get to 50, 60, 70% vaccinated, we're going to be opening up this and that. We had a bunch of false promises. So I started in November, I opened in February, and the same nonsense continued. We got to 50%, 60%, 70%, another lockdown. And then it was third doses, 50%, 60%, 70%, a lockdown. And then, and then it was... Um, they're offering us this program that needs to be partially repaid and this program that's not going to be, that has to be repaid in full and whatnot. And then I was denied all of those programs. So I was really caught between a rock and a hard place. And I just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars opening up my expanded side. And then I was being denied tens of thousands of dollars in assistance. And at the same time, I was forking up ten, ten, a couple of tens of thousands of dollars every month in rent. So I was like, okay, well, this is not sustainable unless I want to lose my business now here at like 27, 28 years old, I have to stay open. So I stayed open. I took the slander. I took all the banter or whatever. And, and now we're here today. Well, I'm glad, things, glad yeah. to have you here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of seems like you're in a place where it's like, you know, you're getting by right now. Things are going really good. Um, you can't welcome too many more members because you're already kind of at what you feel to be your capacity. So what comes next for the business? Obviously, like from this conversation so far, you seem like the type of guy who's always reaching for the stars. Mm -hmm. You always want more for yourself. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do to take your business to the next level? Well, I, like I mentioned, like the summer months are the slower months. So like the last let's say, let's say the last quarter of the year it was a little bit slower so the next quarter be in the fall I could definitely take I could still take on more people like I still have room for growth which is good um hopefully we're back at that like maximum point come come the end of the year or the new year with all the resolutions and everything that everyone wants to get started I can um take on more personal trainers I'd like to do that because personal trainers tend to bias their business more in the morning and more in the middle of the day when the gym is less busy. Um, so if I can take on more employees in that sense, that would be great. Um, again, that's a really, another really big challenge because we don't have like the walk-in traffic and the door traffic that commercial gyms have, right? So there's not the same stability and like security of, of a personal trainer working at a commercial gym, even if the split is going to be much worse. Like if their split is 60, 40 working at a commercial gym and here they're paying me rent, which is going to be considerably less, their business is not going to be quite as stable because they're doing a lot of the recruiting themselves or their own media marketing themselves. I can help to a certain extent, but I don't have tens of thousands of members like the commercial gyms have here, right? So it is a little bit challenging finding personal trainers that can bring in a lot of work. Um, and I do try to help to the best of my capabilities, but uh, that would be something I'd like to improve on. I can always improve my hours in personal training as well. Now that I do have more help and I'm dedicating less time to cleaning and managing and things like that because I have people in those roles. 
So I can definitely do something more with like that. Online presence can definitely be improved as well. Um, but in terms of like expanding like floor place or expanding locations, I wouldn't want to expand to another location because I do have a good relationship with my landlords currently. And I do have a good rate and starting somewhere else at this current time, it would be very inflated with the price of real estate right now. So it may actually be risky for both locations if I was to do something like that, right? But there could be the space that opens up to the other side of me in the near future, whether that be, you know, three or four years down the road. And then I can expand in ways that like maybe offer more uh, physiotherapy or chiropractors or things like that from the, uh, like the recovery and treatment aspect of, of the fitness side. Yeah. So there's really like kind of a lot of things that could happen here in the future to continuously grow your, your business and growth doesn't always have to mean like more people in a bigger space. There's a lot of things that can be done within the business. Like you said, growing the personal training program, um, many other opportunities as well to, you know, grow with what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, last question I have for you here before we hop off, cause we're kind of running out of time is, um, what is the social media page for your gym? Where can our listeners go to find you online? Um, at 613 lift underscore limited and on Facebook, it's just 613 lift limited as well. Those are the two social media pages that we run. Um, I'm working on getting like more of a TikTok and YouTube and stuff like that getting together. So maybe that can be a little bit more of a presence that I can, uh, maybe cater towards more younger users and, and things like that. But those are the two main pages that we use right now are Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being here today, Nicholas. It was truly a pleasure having you. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description and our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Wards Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. I'm here with my guest today, owner of Hard Exercise Works, HEW Fitness in Woodstock, Georgia. John Sarzuski, how are we doing today? Uh, doing good. And you got the last name right. Thank you. Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing, <laughs> doing my best here. So <laughs> there's going to be uh, a lot of opportunities for me to say dumber stuff. So I'm glad I didn't butcher your name. Let's hop into it, man. HEW is uh, a small franchise you've been a part of from kind of it, its initial inception. But tell us, tell us what it's all about as a general overview. Yeah, so Hugh Fitness uh, or Hard Exercise Works. Um, we're boutique, boutique centers, um, similar to like a CrossFit feel. Um, I'd say it's a mix between like a CrossFit and a burn boot camp. Um, so you're getting the boot camp aspect, but we are getting the strength training and the, and the uh, barbell components, which a lot of people like just to feel that strength. Uh, we run eight classes a day. Um, 
and we're really just community. I like to I like to think that we're the neighborhood gym in Woodstock, Georgia, a place where everybody knows who each other is. Uh, we're bringing bringing people together from all backgrounds, all different walks of life. We create a challenge, and they go through it every day. Awesome, man. I want to get more into the the X's and O's of that in a little bit, but we got to give frame a reference. You've got a backstory that's interesting on quite a few levels here. So uh, to the extent that we can, we can get this into the podcast, give us the general overview of, of your backstory. You previously owned another, another HEW. Um, you at one point were going to be a firefighter. There's some kind of life-changing events here and wrapped it all up into you, you crushing it there in Woodstock now. So give us the, your version of the backstory. All right. So yeah, I, I knew, um, for my career aspirations, it had to be two things. I couldn't sit in an office, so I had to be active and I wanted to help people. Uh, so the first thing, firefighting, just seemed like a natural fit. Uh, my dad was a police officer, so he's in the public service, public safety. Um, so it's kind of follow similar routes, but going the different route for firefighting. Um, while I was going through schooling for that, I started coaching at a Hugh Fitness Gym in South Florida. And kind of a crazy story. Um, this is going to be one for, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of backstory to it, but the, the condensed version, um, I was coaching one day and a guy came in off the streets to check out the place, which is pretty common in this, you know, we get the, the doors open, the music blaring, and we're always in grade A shopping plazas. So we're not in like the warehouse districts. We're in, like, we were in a, a shopping plaza with a Dick's Sporting Goods and a Dollar Tree. So there's a lot of foot traffic. Um, Guy did a tour of the gym, which is, like I said, un not uncommon, and uh, he wanted to watch the class. So while I'm doing my thing, coaching, uh, pushing people through uh, what we call a man maker, where it's a push up with the dumbbell rows, he had grabbed a five pound steel plate, came behind me, and cracked me across the head. This completely blindsided me, um, and it knocked me out. I woke up in the hospital a couple of days later, and from that point on. Um, it actually, it opened my eyes to the importance of this industry. Uh, when I woke up in the hospital, had the whole community rallied behind me, um, hundreds of handwritten cards from past clients that I've coached. And reading those really got me, um, helped me recover, um, helped me uh, mentally and physically just want to get stronger again. And then I also recognized the importance behind what we did. Um, all the notes telling me how I've impacted their lives through fitness made me realize that I'm doing something special in this industry. So never got back into the firefighting, um, dove into the, the gym business full time and uh, quickly opened up a center shortly after. That's, that's wild, man. And I know we probably can't dive too deep into this and I don't, I don't even know if there's legal implications. So if we can't, we can't, but was this somebody who like potentially had some, some underlying mental issues or did, is it, did, did you yeah. was more of the gym that bad that you pissed the guy off? Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, I've given some tours that haven't gone that well, but yikes. Yeah. So I wasn't the one giving the tour. So I got to ask the, the other coach that was there that day. Um, no tour was great. He, uh, there was some underlying mental things and it's already gone through the whole legal process. Um, he served his time for what happened. Um, but yeah, I think there was some some psychological things, maybe some uh, substance abuse issues as well. And I was the lucky guy. Uh, I do joke with, I joked with the fellow coaches though. I said, "You're lucky that I'm the one that took the hit, because anybody else that could have killed him." <laughs> so 
That's a, a, a self-deprecating hard-headedness joke, I'm guessing. That is it, man. I am stubborn, very stubborn. So, so gotta, how long were you bought a commission for on that thing? Man, were you like in the hospital a long time? Yeah, um, in the ICU for a week and then had to wait about a, a month and a half, two months before they could do the surgery to really piece my face back together because there was some brain swelling. Um, yeah, it was, it was no joke. Um, but I was blessed with awesome, awesome doctors. I mean, they, they put me back together. Um, they, they, they really did phenomenal care. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a good year of just trying to get back on my feet, get, uh, get back in the swing of things of, of workouts, of the coaching. And then on top of that, uh, shortly after I now was a business owner for the first time in my young twenties. So there's a lot of stressors that go involved with that, but um yeah it was day by day um just getting stronger every day wow well i mean it, it gave you you know i i i make the uh the statement sometimes not so literally that life often has a way of hitting us over the head with perspective and that exactly what happened but that in and of itself has kind of pushed your mission forward right and where you are now um, you've since relocated, you um, sold the, the facility that you had down in Florida, relocated your, your family to Georgia because you wanted to, which is a great thing about being a business owner, because as we said off the air, if you can business in one place, you can, you can do it another. So freedom is one of those things that we like to balance off the stress and all the other things that come with being a business owner at times. But it's gotten deeper than that for you. Um, you know, you've got this mission to help people with their their physical fitness, but now you're also part of a group um, that I won't be able to do any justice to. So tell us about FCA and and how that fits into what you're doing um, there in Georgia. Yeah, so a big part of this me, you know, my recovery. Um, physically, I healed pretty quick, but the the mental, emotional. Um, healing took a, took a little bit of time and I didn't realize um, I was going through stuff until surrounded by my community um, they kind of brought it out of me so I recognized um, people come into our centers you know for physical growth but as that place becomes a mecca of growth why stop there you know we can we can tap into the spiritual the mental and emotional strength as well because ultimately we need strong men and women out there um, especially in this day and age and we need them to provide for their families to lead their families uh, and their, their local businesses and whatnot. So I was blessed to be involved um, with, it's a group called FCA, uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Now they're primarily in the high schools and middle schools, uh, working with the sports teams. And a lot of these guys are volunteers, uh, but they're going in there and they're bringing, you know, food after practices to teams. And then they'll, they'll bring the team together. And they're basically there just to say, hey, is anybody going through some stuff? I'm here. Let me pray for you. Um, and with that, um, it, it's, it's pretty cool that we're now um, in like the boutique fitness industry, I think is a great outlet uh, to do the same thing. So we've got one of their directors working, working out with us here. And we've started a men's group and a women's group that meets once a week. Um, and it's basically just a time that we come together. Uh, we'll pray together if somebody's going through something. And we're just trying to be stronger men and women for our families, for our communities, for our businesses. That's, that's, that's pretty badass, man. I think it, it's, uh, 
there are all different things and it can be, it can be passion for help, for personal growth. There are all different things that can drive the business owner and keep things moving across the, the many peaks and valleys that there can be, the highs and lows and that parallels life, realistically. Uh, being a business podcast though, having something that you truly believe in is a lot more of a motivator for most people than just how much money is in my bank account? You know, how soon can I retire? All those things are great. It's great to be able to put food on the table, send your kids to college, whatever it may be. But if there's more, you usually see things kind of in a different trajectory. So I've noticed um, for myself, just my personal fulfillment, I always say to all of our, our members, money follows mission. So we focus on the mission and that's just to, to be an outlet for people, to make them physically stronger, mentally, spiritually, emotionally stronger if we just do that day in and day out, success is going to happen. Um, and yeah, the bank account's going to, it's going to get bigger. It's going to grow. Uh, but we got to focus on what the mission is. And then it also just gives you a sense of fulfillment when you're doing your job. Um, you're not chasing numbers. You're not, you're not stressing over, am I going to sign this client up? Um, it's more so I know that I'm going to make this person better. So I have this weird, almost a weird sense of confidence um, that I, they need us. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm here for them. Yeah. Awesome, man. So we know the why behind it, or at least we've scratched the surface of it. I'm sure we could, we could do a few hours just on that. And as much as I'd love to, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think the audience would, uh, would be here past the 20 minute mark most of the time. So um, we know what's generally driving this. Um, you wanted to move your family to a place where you wanted to be all of these things are coming together. Let's talk about some of the, the X's and O's of how it came together. You already had the knowledge of how to run a Hue Fitness. You liked the model enough that you didn't say, well, moving to a different town, I'm going to do burn boot camp or Pilates or yoga or spin. You're like, I'm going to do this again. So your belief in the model, your familiarity with it, a lot of that carried over. So your business experience and skill set led it into that. So when it came to what you were going to execute, we're going to do another hue. Were there any big things that you said, Hey, I absolutely want to make sure that I do the same here or on the other side, any things you're like, Hey, with this new one that I'm starting from the ground up, I want to try something different. I want to put a different twist on it. Like, were there any big things that you carried over from your experience one way or the other there? So my, my gym in South Florida, man, we had, great success we were the top producing franchise uh almost every year so i wanted to take away and, and really just replicate that um the main difference though is i wanted to focus on the culture we were creating from the get-go uh really building a strong foundation uh with the culture the culture kind of sets sets the tone for a lot of these style of gyms uh so that's been our, our number one thing that we're focusing on um as far as, you know, starting this from the ground up, uh, going to a brand new place uh, with no brand awareness. And you know, like I said, we're a small franchise. So back in South Florida, yeah, people know of us, but really outside of that, um, it's, it's uncharted territory. So the franchise was great um, with putting us with the right people. Um, so we did have a good social media campaign to kind of get the brand awareness out in this area. But then a lot of it was just bootstrapping it too. Um, it was getting out, going to community events, showing my face, shaking hands, telling people who I am, meeting the people 
in the community that I needed to. Um, so it's cool to go to a new area, knowing that I wanted to do a community-based business um, and not know anybody. It really put me in a vulnerable spot where I had to, had to put my networking glasses on and get out there and meet people. Got it. So you have all this, um, much like um, one of the things that's the bane of, of my existence and anybody who does a new, a new facility, build out always takes longer than you expect. That put your, your back against the wall a little bit for weather because a lot of people think Georgia, they think Atlanta, they think it's hot all year round. But you have winter up there where you are, you're in the mountains. So you had to speed up your pre-sale a little bit, right? There was a little condensed yeah. window. But besides from, from that, or despite it, I should say, um, you've been open since November. And if, if you don't want to talk exact numbers, we don't have to, but you've grown a pretty massive client base relative to what the norm is for the micro gym industry in about seven months. Uh, so are you comfortable talking about the numbers or? Yeah, I'm not, an open can, book. Okay. Yeah, you so we're somewhere around 250 clients right now. That's correct. So I know people who have been in business for years and would love to have that number or maybe even half that number. Everybody's market's unique. Your mileage may vary, all that stuff. But beside your pre-sale, what do you owe that to? Like what has worked best for you to get that many people into your program so quickly and sticking with it? Um, I think, like I said, focusing on the culture uh, was huge. Uh, we, we create a place that people want to go. Uh, we we put, create a place that people are comfortable sending their wives and their kids to um, or sending their husbands to. They, they want to be here because they know they're around good people. Um, so that was huge, but it was bootstrapping it, man. It was, it was being, being hungry again. Um, so my... <laughs> going from a gym that we had, you know, my, when I sold, we were close to 400 clients at my last center. Um, I actually had, had the, the, the target goal of 200 clients when we opened and we didn't come anywhere close to that. But in, in hindsight, if I would have opened with 200 clients, we wouldn't have been able to give that personal approach to everybody that came in. And I think it would have set a pretty bad foundation. So the way it's all worked out has been pretty good. Um, our strategy was flood social media. So we put a lot into pre-opening marketing. Um, that got us close to a hundred to open. Um, we, we opened the doors with about 75 people. While we were doing our build out, um, we were actually doing some free workouts in an attached courtyard that we have. So it was a chance for us to kind of demonstrate to the community, hey, come work out with us for the next month, month and a half uh, for free experience what we're about and kind of create that that strong foundation and then as we open the doors all those people that were seeing results slowly started to snowball uh they were bringing family in friends in and then we haven't looked back but a lot of a lot of that is really the, the first hundred were hard and now it's just loving on those people um giving them results because when we, we actually care if you sign up with us i'm going to get into your nutrition i'm going to i'm going to check in with you and we do weekly reports if you don't show up you're getting phone calls, you're getting texts. Um, you know, we, if you commit to us, we're committing to you. Awesome, man. So for that initial, when you say you flooded social media, was it just, was it all organic, just making a tons of ton of posts, just trying to get buzz created? Did you 
did you pay into the Mark Zuckerberg fund, make him a, a little bit richer and, and run yeah. ads? What tactics did you use on that side? So Zuckerberg definitely got some of my money. Um, and I, I, God, I'm so old school. I hate paying for social media ads. Um, I would much rather just get out there and, and meet people, but we had to. In a new market, we had to. Um, so Facebook and Instagram uh, was, was key. And then along with that, um, you know, we kind of do like a guerrilla marketing campaign, essentially, where we get a bunch of rack cards. And in between checking in on the gym and the build out, I'd be driving around to every local plaza. And I'd walk from building to building, from storefront to storefront, handing out flyers, looking somebody in the eye, saying, hey, I'm the gym guy. We're coming in next door. Come work out with us. Come work out with us. Um, and we did that day in and day out for a good solid couple months. Um, I was, you know, little things that I do, it's still kind of old school, but it works. Um, Chamber of Commerce or networking groups. Um, I joined a networking group from a chiropractor that I met at a 5K race. Every person in that networking group signed up with me. And since then, each one of them has probably brought in five friends. So I, mean, I, can, I can tie back 50 clients just from that networking group alone. Uh, so little things like that have, have come a long way. Um, but a, a big thing was giving the free workouts, I think, before we opened. So people had an idea about what they're getting into. Um, that, was, that was monumental. Yeah, for sure. So with the initial uh, promotion, marketing, whether it was you know the, the paid or the organic, were you doing anything like, specials for local business owners or residents was there was there any kind of founders club anything like that or did you come yeah. in got you so you had some promotions um yeah so the founders the founders rate you know our, our pricing is 179 a month for unlimited classes uh the founder special was 99 dollars, and you're locked into that for life or for the the lifetime of your contract with us um so we we flooded that everywhere and you know creating the, the demand, like limited, this is the once in a lifetime deal. And really in the going market, it's a heck of a deal. Uh, people are saving a lot of money if they can get that. So I thought we'd sell out of those quick. Um, like I said, we opened with 75 clients so we still had a couple people trickle in and get the founders rate. Um, but yeah, that was, that was big. All right. So for somebody who's now you're, you like the guerrilla marketing, the hand-to-hand, -hand, the face-to-face, -face, all that better, but you've seen the value of paid marketing. Is there, is there a balance of it for you now that you're away from the initial surge that you needed? Was there a point, like, are you strictly organic now that you've got that initial momentum? Uh, and if so, was there a tipping point for you where you were like, all right, cool, I'm not doing that anymore? Yeah, so the first hundred, um, we were really flooding with the, the paid marketing. Um, but now at this point, a lot of it's going to be organic. A lot of it's word of mouth. Um, and people have seen us at this point. I mean, it, we, we flooded social media. We're handing these flyers out everywhere. Um, so people have at least seen our logo or heard of us a good dozen times, I like to think. Um, at this point, so we, we've cut our, our marketing budget down probably about a 10th of what we were doing pre-opening marketing, but we still do some social media stuff. Um, it's still out there. I'm still paying for some advertising just to, to keep a small presence and to reach people that might not currently have friends or family in here. Um, 
but we've slowed that down significantly. So we'll keep that. We'll keep that going though. We're not going to stop that. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get froggy and I'll try something new. We'll do a, a flyer, you know, direct mailer. Um, but what's gotten me ahead in this industry is my work ethic. Um, I've made a living off of hard work. It's in the name of our business. So our, our big thing is any 5k, any 10th event that we can get out there. Even if I, I mean, there's never a bad 10th event in my opinion, because it's a chance just to throw my name out there. So we'll say yes to every and anything in our community. Um, and that's our, our bread and butter. Yeah. I, I'm a huge proponent of a lot of the organic hand-to-hand guerrilla marketing, all that stuff. I think even more so it puts our feet to the fire as owners and service providers to make sure that we have a, an amazing product. The two biggest pieces of pushback that I get on these from gym owners all the time are it's hard to measure the ROI of sitting in a tent all day hmm. and it takes up a bunch of my time. So for you, I'm sure you see those things as a potential. They are something that's there, but it's, it's overridden by other parts of it for you. So how do you wrap your head around that part or what, what would be your pushback on that pushback? If you think it's taking your time, I mean, grow your business, hire coaches. Um, at this point, you know, we have enough coaches to run our center. Um, and I don't physically have to be here. So I would, I would push people to, to make that jump quicker than not to be able to work on your business, not work in it. Um, and then the other thing with the time, like it's me and my wife are running this thing. So to go to a 10 event, it's actually family time. It's kind of nice. Um, if it's slow, I get to catch up with her. We get to, to talk about life. Um, and I, I even employ my kids. I've, I've got a three and a four-year-old, two girls. And you better believe if we go to a tent event, I give them a, a stack of 50 rack cards. They're the cutest little things ever. And I say, all right, girls, go walk around and say, come work out of my gym. And they do it. Um, so it's fun family time. Um, in the measure of the, the ROI, yeah, that's, that's tough because um, you don't, you might not ever be able to put a direct measure on that. Um, but right now I do have the time and uh, I, I, I've seen the value. I mean, I, like I said, I, I can tie back. I'm not actually tracking this, but when I go through and I look around a class, I can pick out at least a dozen people that I have met through somebody's attend event or somebody from referral that came in through that 10 cents. So it, it helps. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good way to, to check. Everybody thinks almost everybody thinks their business and their product is great, but the amount of referrals, the amount of word of mouth that you get behind you is really a good, like, it's cool that you think so, but what does the market think? Right. Because yeah. if your fitness is a super hard thing to get anybody to start and try. And I mean, you got hard work in your name, so that could scare some people away. I'm sure your marketing and messaging shows why it's anybody can come in and do it. But if you get word of mouth advertising for a gym, it's not like telling somebody, hey, I had this pizza. It was amazing. Try it. Anybody will try a great pizza, right? So mm. not everybody isn't going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to go get my butt kicked because you love your gym, buddy. Like that's an even higher form of word of mouth marketing and fitness is is probably one of the toughest i mean i don't know people give word of mouth for their dentist like there's there's some things that people just don't want to do anyway so word of mouth doesn't help so you doing it and it sounds like you've wrapped it up in a way where 
because you enjoy it and can make it into something that you want to be doing. It's not a chore. It's not a time consumer. You like being out there in the community and the business just happens to grow by it. That's really cool. So because you enjoy it, it probably makes it a little bit easier for you to make the time for it. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, like I'm in this industry because I want to help people and I enjoy people. It's a people industry. Um, if you don't like people, you get behind a desk and do something else. It's the wrong business. Um, so every, any chance I get there to, to go out there and to hear somebody's story, I love I, every single client that comes in has a different background uh, and they all have a different why. And a lot of times their why that they express verbally is not their real why. So I take what they say and then through the relationships that you build, you actually get to really know, no, this person's here for a dipper, a, a different, deeper reason. Um, and then when you can tie into that, it's fun. Um, it's fun to, to see people reach their full potential and to see people get um, you know, stronger than they ever thought they could and what strength looks like is different for everybody. So um, yeah, I love getting, that, getting out there in the community and uh, finding time to, to meet people. It's awesome. Um, and when we do tent events, I make sure that we are like a pretty cool spot. Um, you can, you can do things, but if you don't have the intent, you're not going to see the return. So we don't go out there and just put a table with a tablecloth on and sit there and smile. Like when I go, we have a portable pull-up rig. So I'll go, I'll bring that out. Um, it also has rope climbs on it. So it, it takes a little bit of time to set up, but you got the music going, you've got people doing pull-ups or rope climbs, all of a sudden, if there's 50 tents, 90% of the people are gathered around ours. And, and we're creating a buzz in the community, or we're trying to everywhere we go. I love that, man. I'd love to, you know, to dive deeper into this. Maybe we'll get back for another episode, but a couple more quick points before we get to let you go here. One, you said earlier, if you had all the clients you have now, when you started, you wouldn't have been able to give the service that you have. And I think part of that is, you got to have the amount of coaches, you got to have the personalities there. And, you know, you've got a um, total of nine of you on staff now who are coaching six um, non-owner interested coaches. Um, and it's something where you've grown that staff. You, it's a building that you started from scratch. There was no pre-existing. So how are they all homegrown talent? Are these people that you went out and found other places? Like how have you grown this staff to keep up with your growth? Yeah, so it's all homegrown. Um, we we like to start somebody from scratch. I don't like. I'd rather create the foundation than to try to deal with somebody's bad habits from a previous gym or whatever experience they might have. Um, and I do joke with our coaches; they're all athletic, but I do say the worst athletes make the best coaches because they've had to go through and they've had to put in more time and effort to see the results. Because um, when you start from a lower spot. Um, you've gone through the progressions and you, and you know how to relate with people better. Um, as far as the growth goes, um, it was bootstrapping it from the get-go. So during the pre-opening, it was just us. It was just me, my wife and my sister. Um, and then before we opened, um, we knew there's a demand and we needed to find some people. And one of our, our people that was going through our program asked us, they expressed some interest. We thought it would be a good personality fit. So we put them through an apprentice program. They went through some online training with us. Um, and now they're actually, she's progressed into our full-time uh, manager position. So she's somebody I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep investing in. Um, I could see her opening one of these down the street from us soon. 
Um, everybody else, though, yeah, it's been a nice, steady growth. Um, we we find somebody really that we just mesh well with um, that has a a big heart and a and a big heart for people. Um, and then from there, we we teach them all the basics. All of our coaches, they did go get USA Level One Olympic lifting certified, um, so they have some good foundations on the barbells. And then from there, we encourage continuing ed and we encourage to go get certs, but really a lot of the training is done in-house. Love it. I love the homegrown talent. It's it's usually the first place I go in, in most models where people say, you know, I need coaches. I mean, my first inclination a lot of time is like, hey, do you have people asking you to coach? Because that's a really good sign of culture and encouragement and things like that. But it's like, you, you should reach out. Like, you know, somebody who people gravitate towards who moves well, who has the personality. And the worst thing that happens is they take it as a huge compliment, but say, Hey, I'm too busy or I don't want to do it. But nobody gets mad when the owner's like, I think you'd make a great coach. Yeah. Everybody loves that. And I think it's my favorite place to do it. There are some niche markets where I think it doesn't work as well. You know, like if it's, if it's specific sports performance or things like that, but generally speaking, I love the homegrown talent. So let's wrap up here with what do you what do you want for the business and from the business long term? And I say for as to what do you want to see it turn into and from as to how does that feed into your personal satisfaction, your life outside of of the day to day operations? Yeah. Um, so for the business, I mean, I, like I said, I want us to be the neighborhood gym in Woodstock. So I want people to know, um, you know, as we continue to grow, there's power in numbers, there's strength in numbers. So the more we can get out there um, and use our community for events, um, the bigger platform we have. So from this gym, um, I do like next year, we'll be hosting a fitness festival. So we'll be renting out the amphitheater in the in Woodstock uh, and we'll be putting on a health and fitness festival. So my career kind of, I kind of step back. I'll get to more of the manager role, um, just working with the coaches and less of the hands-on training, which I will miss. Um, it's been cool to dive back into that this past year. Um, but as I progress into that, um, yeah, I'll be doing more events and, and more planning in that way. I'd like to get another hundred clients um, on auto pay. That's kind of our sweet spot. And then from there, I don't want to say we're capped out. Um, I'll always find room for more people, but, um, that's kind of our sweet spot. So within the next six months, I'd like to get another hundred clients on auto pay and then kind of hover at that area, um, and just maximize the impact we're having on the community. Do you think you'll ever have another location or do you think you'll explore other ventures that, that tickle your entrepreneurial fancy? So the second spot would definitely not be the family running it again. Um, I would like to have another one, um, the girl that I said started off and she's our one full-time now manager. I could see her as an owner um, or as a business partner. So my goal is to get her just really involved in uh, we're open books over here. She sees all the numbers. She sees the budget, what our margins are, et cetera. Um, so I would love to have her open one up and we just be a partner and we can kind of consult with her. And then if I could replicate that, two or three times in this area. Um, yeah, all of a sudden we have a pretty good thing. I, I'm at least a partner in, you know, four gyms in the community. And then we can just really focus on the events and then using our platform. 
Love it. You can be the neighborhood gym in a few neighborhoods. And yeah, just that's the goal. That to help the most people. All right, man. We are officially out of time here. Before I let you go, website, social media handles, all that. Where can people find out more about uh, you and what you're doing out there? Yeah, so for us, it's all the social media handles are the same. It's H-E-W Fitness Woodstock. Um, so we got a strong Instagram presence. Um, so definitely check us out. We always got great stories showing the day-to-day operations. Um, and then for the, the gym or the, the website though, it's youfitness.com. See our workouts and what we're doing. If anybody's looking to open a franchise, I'm telling you, these guys got it together. Um, I'm not that smart and we've made, we've been pretty successful in it. So if anybody's interested, definitely, uh, reach out to me and, and, uh, I'll point them in the right direction. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on with us today been a pleasure having you i wish you continued success down there in georgia i appreciate it brother all right thank you and to everybody listening everybody out there we appreciate you thanks for spending some of your day with us we hope you found value and inspiration in this episode if you want to hear more hit the subscribe button to everyone out there in jim ward's nation keep working hard keep changing lives jim ward's out Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Words podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Jeremiah Johnson of Upper Family Fitness, coming to you from Upper Sandusky, Ohio. Jeremiah, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Good, good. We are excited to have you. I'm excited to pick your brain on this. Um, And so before we dive into the strategy and the tactics and all that comes with that, Jeremiah, give us a little bit of an idea of, of what this business is, what it's about. When you describe Upper Family Fitness, what do you tell people? Well, we've been uh, living in Upper Sandusky for, uh, say, 11, 12 years, and uh, it's, it's a small community, good place to raise your children, and uh, being involved in the community was something I've always wanted to do, and um, they've always had a gym or two around, and they're always small. Just, they never had anything good to offer anybody in the community. And after living here for five or six years, I always kind of kicked around, you know what, something I'd really like around here would be a a real nice big gym. And something that was always open 24-7 because normally 
you know, most normal people might work late and they can't get to the gym in time, which was my problem. And, um, that was something we always talked about my, my wife and I, and long story short, we were able to do it and we did it for the community. And yeah, I, I find that I find that a lot of people start businesses because they were looking for a product or a service and they weren't able to find it. Likely there's other people out there like us looking for something like this. And so Jeremiah, take us back to the time when this all started kind of formulating in your brain. What was, what was the timeline between when you thought, Hey, I'm going to open up my own gym. And when the day came that the doors actually opened for business. Well, well, we've been open four years now, and uh, it, it took a good year to get it going, just from all the renovating and whatnot. But before that, it was probably about a year before that. So we'll, we'll say six years. Yeah. Uh, I'm also assistant football coach for a local high school team. And um, after football or whatnot, or after, after work, I'd always have to race to get to the gym. And there are certain days they'd close even earlier and, you know, trying to do a quick workout just wasn't good enough for me. And it was kind of frustrating. And, um, then another, uh, another gym actually did move into town and they were 24 seven and it was mm -hmm. great. It was wonderful, but they just didn't operate it well enough. And they ended up going out. So I kind of beat around the bush a little bit more, talked to the wife, then, you know, and just got some uh, opinions from other people around the community. A lot of people said it would work. A lot of people said it wouldn't work. And it, it, was, it was a big risk, but it was a risk I was willing to take. Yeah. I've been involved in gyms my whole life. So it's pretty much had a good, um, understanding of how they worked and yeah. what to look for and how to how to run them yeah something you at least had a gut feeling for yeah. and it, you were looking for a commercial space what what was sort of the the ideas that we had in mind what were some non-negotiables that you were looking for well what we did do was go around to gyms in the area we went to a couple bigger cities like toledo or down in columbus to other gyms to kind of see how they were laid out to kind of gather an aspect of how we were going to do it and just kind of drew out plans and whatnot and how big to make them to to make the gym and then our next step was okay if we were to open a gym first off you got to buy the equipment second off you got to find the place mm. so it was a lot of luck involved in putting this operation together. And pretty much we got lucky in a lot of things that we did do. So a lot of people will ask, I love owning a gym. Owning a gym can't be that hard. Well, I just kind of sit back and laugh at them. <laughs> you know and i sit back and i say good luck you know if you want yeah. good luck i'll yeah. part to you the napkin math doesn't always translate to yeah, dollars and cents yeah it's you know it's not only the luck of finding a place 
finding the money to start it, finding the equipment, dealing with the public. Yep. All that good stuff and, and, and everything financial. But uh, we did find a building. And in that building was uh, another area where we could store our equipment while we renovated, which we got really lucky there because if there was nowhere to store the equipment, then I don't know how we would have done it. We got lucky finding the equipment. And it, it took a few different shots with banks to get the financials to be able to pull this off. Just yeah. banks look at it as a as a loss. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you got to look at your area. You got to look at the population of your area. You got to think, okay, well, 10, give or take 10% of this area might come work out at your gym. What was the size of the facility that you guys ended up settling on? The size of our facility right now is 10,000 square feet. Okay. So, so it, yeah, we got plenty of room in here. It's a large gym. Yep. Yeah, we got we got a decent sized spot. Now, let me ask you this, Jeremiah, because uh, the timing of this coincides pretty well with the last couple of years of craziness with the fitness industry. How do your membership numbers now compare to late 2019 or early 2020? Well, I will say we're, we're completely back to normal. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We got, we were doing extremely well and uh, COVID hit and we had to shut down for about seven to eight weeks. Basically, what I did do was pretty much reach out to all of our uh, members and just let them know that we're freezing all their accounts. There were, there, there were a handful of members that said, continue to take our money. We want to help support. Mm, Great. Yeah. But uh, besides the members that wanted to do that, we did freeze their account. And any like if anybody put paid for a year or whatnot, we just put it on hold. And continued however long we were closed down. Right, right, right. Now, when we opened back up, we opened up. I mean, we were a little, we were a little short, but uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, it took probably, it took a, it took close to a year to build back to where we were before we had to shut down, pretty yeah. much. And we still. I think you're not alone there too. I think a lot of facilities are still building back, you know, we still, um, people still, you have your slug few that still try to wear a mask or whatnot. And, uh, still some will, they, we've had some call and say, you know, keep me, keep my account froze. I'm still not ready to come back. I still don't trust it or whatnot. And, we keep their account for still, but for the most part, our numbers are back to normal. And they, since we've closed down, it's been kind of an abnormal statistic member count for this time of the year. Cause normally in the summer, your, your numbers will go down. Yeah. There's seasonality to this, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, most people like, for example, like just come to do cardio they'll go to the park and jog or whatnot instead of spending the money at the gym, which is 
we know how that works. So that's yeah. part of the process. So normal membership levels for you, you said that we've actually, we've recovered to where we were prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Do we still have room for growth beyond that? Or are you guys pretty well capped out here? Oh, no, we, there's always room for growth. We're always, we always have our eyes open for growth. Um, the thing that did us well when we closed down, we didn't really worry as much because the income for the gym stays in the gym. Like we don't use the gym as an income for ourselves at all. That's why we're able to do that because my wife and I continue to have jobs and work full yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So the gym takes care of itself and then some. Yeah, that's it sort of changes the conversation here a little bit because we're not as concerned about the revenue that the gym is driving, but never have I met a business owner that is against making more money. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost silly to even say that we're good or, or we're okay with where we are. So for you, we have room for growth. Walk me through some of the marketing or, or how you've been able to attract new people to come to the gym and train up until now, at least. I, I, I'll say this. Bef- before we step into the marketing, one of the biggest things that we, we thrive for is for our employees and us as well is to be super friendly with all of our members. So nobody... Let's say, let's say this, anybody who walks in the door is not a number. You're your name. We treat you as part of the family, which is why we have upper family fitness. Um, we treat it as a professional atmosphere and that every member that walks in that door is pretty much our family. And that's how we treat it. It's a smaller community and you can do stuff like that. And word travels fast that... Hey, the owners of Upper Family Fitness are super nice. The staff is super nice, very helpful. That's something we really thrive for the most. Mm. Now, when it comes to promoting, we we work uh, deals out with businesses in the community. Hey, if we, you know, we can give you a fly, like, for example, uh, a, a pizza place. Hey, can we give you our flyers here and there? And, um, you put them on all your pizzas that go out. How many pizzas? Well, we have 200 a day that go out the door. Okay, well, we'll give you so much for the weekend or whatnot. And we use Facebook a lot for promoting as well. Okay. And we do other things around. We do like ticket sales for, we'll say for a high school that hands out fundraisers. Any kind of fundraisers that go on around town, we always donate to that. And we try to donate to, I'm a football coach for a local high school. So we'll donate to the football team and they announce our name throughout games and whatnot. Just local stuff. So so some tried and true small town marketing tactics, at least. One thing that I wanted to pick your brain on a little bit that we sort of just breezed by, you mentioned we use Facebook to promote couple of questions there because I, I think social media is really a huge driver in the fitness industry at least first question is that something that you guys do in-house or is that outsourced with some other company 
Um, we're in-house right now. We've been in discussion for outsourcing and that's, that's not off the table ever. Um, I mean, we have two kids, 15 and 12, and you know, we're busy, busy parents. We have no time to do anything ever. We're, <laughs> we're constantly on the run, you know? Yeah. Time and, is, time and, is a limited factor here. Yeah. And that, that's why we have, you know, we have four staff members. They, they got, you know, we, we have our jobs laid out, you know, they have what they do every day, every week. Yep. Okay. So maybe we can, you know, like I, I just want to go in and work out and leave and know it's taken care of without, yeah. you know, cause at first, first opening the door, you couldn't afford all that because you had to get, you know, your right. revenue flowing. Yeah, budgets are pretty tight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're able to do that now. So. Okay. And, and so that it's it's a little bit different than if we were looking at it from this is a full-time we're reliant on the income of this yes as you move forward jeremiah upper family fitness what do you see as the future of this business how big do you think it can get do you want it to get bigger what's sort of your goal for this uh number one i, I look at this as a retirement I just, just the way the world is today, the economy is today. I, I don't know. Is social security going to be around when I retire? I, I don't know. You know, it's, I'm looking for something I can retire and run and not kill myself doing it. And as we grow, um, that's been a discussion too, is expanding our, our business to maybe another town. And now if something like that were to happen, then probably one of us would have to stop working and run the gyms or hire someone to manage them both or whatnot but yeah. always discussion for growth absolutely. absolutely it's it's an interesting conversation because we we talk to all kinds of gym owners and, and business owners in general who find themselves far too invested in the business and they're working 80, 90 hours a week and don't have the ability to focus on that growth. You're kind of coming from the other end, but still strapped for time in terms of growing the business as well. And so it's a similar challenge, but unique circumstances, all its, all its own. What do you think? Let, let me ask you this. If you were opening up a gym today, as opposed to five years ago when you did, what do you think would be the best advice for you to give to that person looking to open up the facility? Um, number one, the financials is the biggest thing. Um, not only do you have to worry about buying the equipment, but dealing with all of the permits for the buildings, or whatnot, any the, the renovating part for the gym itself is the hardest. It, it took us a year to open our facility up just from permits alone. But um, ha having the financials is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. It, it's not cheap. Yeah. The, yeah. Overhead, the overhead's gigantic at first. 
That's yeah, but that yeah. it certainly can be, especially in this kind of a model, right? Getting this type of a gym compared to a, a small personal training studio, it's probably a little bit different on the front end. But Absolutely. for you coming out of the gate, ten thousand square feet and filling out ten thousand square feet full of equipment, mm-hmm. that is a, a pretty big investment on the front end, and it makes sense that you would want at some point to derive an income from that, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, all of the the extra is reinvested in the facility, but you went out a li- on a limb to, to take a huge financial risk. You should be rewarded for that at some point down the line. Do you know what I mean? It's not only, I mean, for example, if you're, you're taking a loan out if you can even get that loan for that, for, for your business, for a gym, they're not, you got, you got to have some collateral. Right. So it's scary because we had to put, for example, our house on collateral here. Yeah. So we, we go fall. So we are relying on yeah. this gym working. So this is a big deal. Yeah. So it's, it's very stressful at first, but, um, we were really positive about it. We, we knew in the back of our head, it, it would work out great and it will, but you got to have a positive attitude. Yep. And you, you, something else you got to really strive for is being different. You got to get together and brainstorm. You got to ask your members, what can we do? in this gym to make us different from other gyms you know any random member will walk in hey what do you like to do what would you like us to upgrade what would you would you like any new machines we still today do that with certain members our certain members will ask us hey if you guys ever come across this that'd be great if you had one and then we got to make sure it's going to be used because we've we've came across equipment we've bought that was never used and then you know we'd end up getting rid of it or replacing it with something else right but you know we we listen to our members and we have very good members that give us really good advice on certain things when it comes to hey your toilet paper is, needs changed in your restroom or, you know, whatnot, then we can go back to our staff and say, Hey, make sure you check for the toilet paper more often. Just, just any, any little thing like that. Yeah. It seems, it seems silly and trivial, but it is a big deal when mm-hmm. we, when we add it up in totality. And Jeremiah, that's a, that's a pretty good place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up. But before we do so, I want to give you the chance to tell people where they can learn a little bit more about this. Is there a website? Is there social media? Where can people find out more? I learn almost most of my information from YouTube. Honestly, I just Google, I research, I do my due diligence. YouTube's a very helpful tool. There's a lot of, lot of stuff out there. You just got to research it. Yep. And so where can people learn more about Upper Family Fitness? Is there a website for this? Oh, there's not a website. Um, 
again, social after, after social doing media? Video, yeah, social media, that, that's your best way to go at it. Facebook, look us up, Upper Family Fitness. Straightforward enough. Jeremiah, I appreciate your time with this. I think the entrepreneur community needs to lean into conversations like this a little bit more to get an insider look and, and draw perspective from what everyone else is doing. So I can't thank you enough. I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards and I'm excited to see what it looks like for you here. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.